There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money. And it is St. Patrick's Day, so we're going to weave in some high-fidelity Irish tunes, Indies Irish tunes for the St. Paddy's Day, Saturday too. What a great day to have St. Paddy's Day on. Just uh, Jack certainly pointed that point out to me. So are you going out pubbing this weekend, Jack? Uh, I don't think so, but uh, the, the guys I play hockey with will. So Sunday morning, they might be a little sluggish, so hopefully uh, I can take advantage of that. So are you playing an extra game because there's going to be some short players, Jack? Probably. There'll be a few guys that are uh, missing the game for whatever reason, and I'll uh, slide right in there, hopefully get a goal or two. Nice, nice. And you were skating up at... Um uh, up Blue Mountain. Up at Blue Mountain. And, and you told me that there's a skating path. So, so people go to Blue Mountain, Jack, to ski. Jack built a, a little uh, skating rink in his backyard, but he wanted more. And so he went to Blue Mountain to skate. Uh, and you skated? Sk- skating, rock climbing, and an outdoor pool in the middle of the winter. Isn't that nice? Believe it or not. Yep. Yeah, nice little staycation, March break. Uh, spend your money at home. And uh, things were vibrant up there in Collingwood. Much busier than I thought. Uh, kids had a blast, so that's uh, that's what it's all about. Well, good. Very good. Well, we got a good show for you lined up on this St. Paddy's Day, my friends, so stay tuned. We're going to be speaking with uh, Javed Mirza, who is on the line. He is our technical analyst at Canaccord Genuity. We're then going to follow with who else but a beer professor. Roger Mittag is in the studio. He teaches us everything you need to know about beer at uh, Humber and George Brown College. So St. Paddy's Day, let's talk beer. And we're going to end it with our favorite macro tourist, Kevin Muir. We're going to talk beer with him too, I guess. But without further ado, let's take a look at the tea leaves. Uh, Javid Mirza, our technical analyst. I have a lot of time for the charts. Uh, People used to laugh at me and say, what are you reading, the tea leaves? Well, I said, no, I'm looking at price and volume, my good friend. Because that's, you know, it sums it all up, doesn't it, Javid? Everything that happens with a company uh, and, and politicians and uh, any kind of forces that play effect on the market, it all gets summationed into price and volume. Uh, so let's talk about just that. Uh, you pointed out to me a couple of stocks when you came into the studio yesterday telling us that uh, you would be at home with uh, putting in a garage door or something, which is fine. You can put in a garage door. Uh, it's radio. We can do this by phone, my good friends. But you point out to me uh, Magna International and Martin Rea, a couple of automotive uh, parts producers here in Canada. And, you know, we don't produce a whole lot, but we still produce some parts. So what is it that you like about these two automotive uh, players right now, uh, Javid? Yeah, thanks uh, for having me, Wolfgang. So uh, a couple of things uh, that we're seeing both on Magna and Martin Rhea. So first of all, they remain in these intermediate-term uptrends, which is a strong technical positive. But more importantly, we're starting to see relative strength pick back up and volume starting to, to push higher as well. So, And uh, we're seeing longer-term momentum uh, turn back up. So all of these to us suggest that uh, the next intermediate-term up leg uh, is ready to to take place. And in our latest weekly note, we also highlighted that in our view that uh, global equity markets in general appear poised to to push higher for the next intermediate term rally, which should take us by time out sometime into early, sorry, late May, early June. Nice. So let's talk about that. We had a strong January, then we had a corrective action February, uh, and then a snapback and people thought, okay, it would rally halfway back and then retest the lows that were put in February. Uh, Time has passed. The window has closed. Some technicians say about a month, and if you don't get the retest within a month, market probably uh, pushes higher. Uh, Are you in that camp? No no retest of the uh, sell-off we had in February. Uh, Market pushes higher from here? 
I mean, um, the way I operate is probabilities, so I'd say it's probably 70-80% that we just continue to push higher and that we don't see uh, a retest here, but there's always that possibility. But just a couple of things that I look at suggest that we're going to move higher. First of all, one is breadth. So market breadth has improved significantly since we saw this uh, pullback. Sorry, for, for the sake of the audience, what does market breadth mean? Oh, it's just the number of stocks making new highs uh, relative uh, to the market. So what you want to see is you want to see as the market moves higher, broad participation or that a lot of stocks are pushing higher, making new highs and positive. Typically before long-term cycle peaks, uh, you know, the uh, tech bubble in 2000 and then also the financial. I remember that that clear as day because it had negative breadth. The only thing going higher was Nortel. And when that general stopped, well, we know what happened. And that's exactly, yeah, exactly. That, that was the point I was going to make is that basically money managers are moving into an increasingly narrower number of stocks, similar to, you know, in the 70s, you had the nifty 50, same thing, 50 stocks that portfolio managers and the general investing public thought were going to go to the moon, but we all know what happened after that. So mm-hmm. but right now, market breadth is improving, momentum's improving, and we're heading into a period of strong seasonality. March and April are typically the strongest months of the year by history for equity markets. So all of these things suggest to us that the general, the guiding hand that's generally lifting markets higher should continue to do so for the next couple of months. We have, we have Javid Mirza on the line. He's our technical analyst at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. Jack Hartle, the producer of the show, has to uh, pipe in with a couple of questions for you, Javid. Javid, just when you're looking at the market breadth and you're talking about that there, uh, it's obvious that it's in the NASDAQ right now. It's, it's leading with the momentum and the risk trade. But uh, in Canada, are you seeing market breadth there as well, meaning uh, lots of the Canadian names are participating? Because, you know, we see a lot of weakness in the oil patch here. Yeah, so that, that's been our longer-term view that, you know, we saw uh, a secular bar- bull market from the 80s to 2000 led by equities um, and uh, with not much participation by resources. And then from 2000 to 2010, it was Canada's turn to shine because we had a secular bull market in commodities. Mm. What we're seeing in our view right now, our longer-term view, is that we're in another secular bull market in equities that should take us out some time into the late 2020s before we see uh, the next secular bear market in equities, which should be coincident with the next secular bull market in equities. And the reason I say this... You mean mean in, in commodities? Sorry, in commodities, correct. And and the reason I'm saying this is because Canada is one of the highest, if not the highest, weighting in resources. So that's why we've been a bit of a laggard uh, compared to the the technology-heavy indices around the world, such as the NASDAQ here in North America and the KOSPI in Korea and the Sensex in India. But what I would say is just we're starting to see signs of some some of that short-term sector rotation out of growth and into value, which should uh, be supportive of uh, a move higher in the next uh, couple of months while this new intermediate-term rally phase takes hold for resources, i.e. energy and materials. All right, so, so Javid, we're, we're going to have to talk about hops later into the show, another commodity that is very relevant <laughs> to today, my good friend. But between now and hops, we got to pay some bills around here on Hi-Fi Radio. So stay tuned, folks. Uh, fill up your glass, you know. Uh, put a little dye in the coffee, make it green. And, well, if you're drinking other than coffee, make it green as well. It is St. Patty's Day on Hi-Fi Radio uh, right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm but my love But a guess works well. Dream 
I could probably sing like that. Little pogues. St. Patty's Day for you, my good friends. Javid Mirza, technician, a stock and bond and commodity chart technician with Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management is on the line. Javid, happy St. Patty's Day to you, my good friend, and may your beer forever be green. Likewise, thank you. <laughs> uh, Javid, uh, last interview we were talking about um, secular bull markets, which are long-running bull markets that can run for north of a decade. Um, so Canada saw a secular bull market in commodities from basically 2000, and, 2000 to 2008. Um, and then commodities pushed aside and the rest of the market worked its way higher coming out of the financial crises. Uh, you think the equity market is now in a secular bull market, uh, but commodities are flatlining and won't kick into gear until the secular bull market and equity ends. Uh, is that correct? 100%. So, no, so I want to interject you. So as a Canadian investor, long-term Canadian investor, thinking decades out, so the way to play this, overweight America, overweight the world right now, when that goes south, come back home to Canada and buy the commodities. 100%. And what we're seeing... And is- that would be like a 20-year map. Like there's the 20 year roadmap right there by America, by the world now. And in what, five, six, seven years, the secular bull market in equities, which began in the, at the end of financial crises, will run 10, 15 years, run its course. And then that'll sell off and everyone will run back to commodities. Exactly. Wow. The other point of the other point of that. Thank you for that. No, that's that's actually very helpful. Yeah. The other point of that, Wolf, is that the fact that the loonie is a commodity currency. So over time, Canadians want to get some of their money in foreign currencies, whether it's U.S., whether it's Euro, uh, because the the fact that we're a commodity based economy. If we're in a secular bear market for commodities, you'd expect the stuff that we produce to be less in demand. Correct. Hence a weak loony. A weak loony. And, and that's is it. We were just looking at some of the currencies this morning, Jack and I, and we saw strength in the euro. We see strength in the U.S. dollar. Uh, weakness in the yen. That was a bit of a surprise to us. And the Canadian dollar has been one of the weakest of the, the developed markets globally this year. Correct. Yeah. So, so how does all that play into your investing thesis, uh, Javid? Part of our, one of the three longer-term theses we have and that we've been talking to institutional and wealth management clients about over the last couple of years, and that's that the TSX is going to underperform the S&P 500 in line with the fact that we're in a secular bull market in equities and a secular bear market in commodities. So if you have clients who are flexible and can play multi-quarter moves, then you know the trigger we'd be looking for is a move above 200 on the CRB. That suggests that we're going to see one of these counter-trend bounces that could propel the CRB all the way to 250. Which and sorry, well, just for the sake of the audience, to share with them, what is the CRB? CRB is a commodity index of a broad basket of commodities, agricultural, energy, materials. So if we see that break above 200, we're around 195 right now, then that would be a strong positive and supports a a counter-trend rally. But this is within the context of a longer-term secular downtrend. So for investors looking to just place their money, we would recommend exactly uh, in the longer term doing what you suggested, which is overweighting uh, the U.S. and markets globally that don't have a high resource weighting for the next, you know, five, ten years until we see 
this secular bull market and equities coming to a close. And then we would rotate back into some of the more commodity-heavy indices, such as the Bovespa in Brazil and the All Ordinaries in Australia. And, of course, Canada is the, the, the largest. We, I think we have a roughly 30% plus weighting and resources. So we'd be bringing that money back home. So, so two points. Number one, in terms of um, investing globally, uh, Jack and I are doing so. We have a position in Europe. We have a position in the emerging markets. Um, uh, we have a positioning in the Far East. And all of that is unhedged. So we are actually exposed to global currencies. And in so doing, we truly believe believe we are actually reducing and mitigating risk. And in fact, uh, we're actually making money on those currencies as the Canadian dollar weakens, euro strengthens, uh, we are making money. Uh, what about the Chinese currencies, the renminbi? Has that been strong of late? Uh, that's, uh, I haven't uh, had my eye on that. Okay, no, 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 no worries, no worries. I want to ask you, I want to switch gears here then, because in, in speaking with a number of our people at Canaccord, um, you know, it, the market's moving higher because of the momentum trade, the FANG stocks, the software stocks. Market's moving higher because of momentum. The value trade, which is in the oil patch, uh, is just that. It's the value trade. You mentioned a rotation then from growth, I'll call it momentum, to value. Uh, so as a Canadian investor, do you want to have money in the oil patch, which is in a secular bear market? And it, it, it's, it's, it's coupled with additional risk called an oil differential of $30 less per barrel that Canadians receive when we sell it to the Americans. Um, do you want to be in the value play? Ultimately, Warren Buffett made a lot of money being a value investor buying stuff when it's out of favor. But how do, how do you handle His it? His time horizon is a little longer than the average investor, too. Well, sure, that does help. Uh, so, so, so speak to that, please, Jeff. We have about a minute left here. Yeah, so Jack made a great point. It's basically based on your time horizon. So if you're someone who you know, watches the markets and is an experienced investor, then, yeah, we don't mind taking a stab at some of the energy uh, or, or the value plays here uh, for a counter-trend bounce. But uh, the... Their headwinds remain in the space, given that we're in a secular bear market in commodities. So uh, if you don't have that flexibility or you don't watch markets on, on a more uh, frequent basis, then we would uh, stay out of that uh, space and, and move to other areas of the market that continue to push higher, such as financials, information technology, and industrials. Yeah, but, uh, look, we, we, uh, we're going to be uh, talking uh, with uh, Roger Mittag. He is the professor of beer. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, just, just to help him out, in terms of commodities, the grain markets, the, the softs, the coffees, um, they have been weak, but I'm seeing some kind of bottoming and strengthening. Uh, so is there an uptick in hops and grains, everything that barley, everything that's used to make beer? Uh, is it going to be more expensive this St. Patty's Day to buy our beer? Did they raise prices on us? I want to ask you that question there, David. Um, so in terms of wheat, uh, we did see a pretty strong bounce here over the last little while. But... I knew it. It's a conspiracy, my friend. Well, right, in front of, right in front of St. Paddy's Day. Anybody, do you not think that the, we're going to raise the price of the pumps around the long weekend? I, just say, I, I think taxes are a bigger hit on the beer than the, the wheat and the barley and the cost inputs for sure. Well, you know, we're going to talk about that. Constellation Brands, right? You pointed out to me, Jack, had a sell-off because Constellation Brands makes Corona. And at the time of the potential wall. The wall was going the up. The wall going up. The market went down. Yeah. Constellation Brand, one of the finest um, purveyors of, of booze around the world, had a 20% sell-off uh, on, on that little story alone. So, look, Javid, an absolute pleasure having you on the line with us uh, to talk technicals about the market. We're going to talk beer and, uh, well, get lighthearted, shall I say. Wish you a good weekend and a safe St. Paddy's Day. Uh, coming up next, Roger Mittag, the professor of beer on Hi-Fi Radio. Stay tuned. 
Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Hi-Fi Radio, a St. Patty Day special for you, little Dropkick Murphys. The Good Rat. I set the up, set the stage for our guest, Roger Mittag, the professor of beer. So uh, back when I worked in broadcast, I used to actually deal with some of the labels, and they mentioned to me, hey, well, here's a cool CD. Check it out. Dropkick Murphy's in a song on it about Guinness. Uh, the uh, Apparently, the Guinness vats have never been cleaned. They finally cleaned <laughs> the vats once. And when they produced the beer with the new vats, they said the beer doesn't taste the same. They said, well, that's because there were some rats in the old vats. And it just had a little effect on the beer. You're a professor of beer. Um, you, do you want to speak to that? Yeah. Dur- I don't, Dur- God, I don't, I don't the buy it. They, they, they don't ferment so well. Is I that don't, correct? I don't buy that. You, little, little Irish folklore. You boil it. If it's, if, it's in the, if it's in the kettle, it's getting boiled, so it doesn't really matter if there's a rat in it or not. So um, being a prof- I've never heard of a professor of beer. I hear, I hear brewmeisters. Yeah. Um, Masters. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a magical occupation. It's, get, a ma- it's magical. Sure. I get, I get to uh, travel around the country and talk to people about beer and help them understand it a bit better. Understand beer. Yeah. Okay. There's lots that's... to understand. No, well, sure. I guess if you drill into it. So, uh, do you, you know, there's lots to understand in the marijuana industry. There uh, is. And, and, you know, prohibition on marijuana is about to end. Um, I just finished reading The Darkest Hour, and some say, well, if you have to take a look at this piece, you're going to love this. Uh, Darkest Hour, of course, a movie about uh, Winston Churchill. Amazing movie. Loved it so much. Uh, apparently, Winston liked to drink a little bit. You see in the movie, he drank with breakfast. Uh, Lots. And drank with lunch and yep. drank at dinner. Uh, so when he came to America during Prohibition, he you know, wanted his fix. And as such, he had to receive a doctor's order to get the uh, consumption of medicinal alcohol med- and, and that's exactly what he got uh so anyways i guess when people travel the world and they uh you know uh want to participate in cannabis they have to i don't know can you do that can you, can you walk around with your script with your over? medical marijuana i wonder if you could you know with your with your, with your prescription you got in canada could you currently go to american state that was not legal and consume your medical marijuana i I would think that you can go to Colorado or Washington. Colorado could, yeah. yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know about the others, but um. so is it going to be a big night? It's Saturday night in Toronto, and uh, certainly the morning right now. But I think it'll be crazy. I think it will be too. Yeah, yeah. Where are the hot spots going to be? Oh God, I don't know. I would imagine any Irish pub, the Irish Embassy is probably going to be nuts. But there's all kinds of stuff. I think there's uh, there's a big um, St. Patty's Day. Celebration just down the street from here. I think over at uh, Sugar Beach, there's going to be a big party. So I I don't think people need an excuse to go out. I think St. Patty's Day is typically shown that about beer increases about 150 percent in bars and restaurants. You know the beer industry really has changed, and uh, the 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 brewery evolved over the last what 30 years i would say yeah um it's, it's been quite the journey uh, i remember meeting john sleeman once and his, yeah. family, his family was once bootleggers great guy right? great, uh, they were they're bootleggers it's it it hilarious um but you look at the industry today you know imbev wasn't that once the world's largest uh which you know, brazilian uh, it company? still is started it is. as interbrew it, it, then became imbev now it's anheuser-busch imbev yeah which which and the big american brand under it is budweiser it is yeah Correct. but yeah. they also own corona Oh, I thought Constellation owns Corona. No, Cor- oh, uh, Constellation has the distribution rights of Corona in the United States only, and that is to avoid competition problems. Huh. Well, again, that stock got knocked down regardless on the Donald Trump. But, when, you know, Jack and I, of course, being market guys, and we like to buy stuff with revenue going up, earnings going up, 
clean balance sheets, reputable brands. It makes our job easier when we buy quality. And yep. you know, we, we look at these companies, Diageo, Constellation Brands, um, Anheuser-Busch, um, fantastic companies, fantastic brands, not necessarily cheap stocks. Um, the question we as investors continuously ask is, where's the growth? Um, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, well, they're, they're, they've, I would say they've really consolidated the industry in the last 10 years, which has been huge and very profitable for these big companies. Yep. Uh, but they've also opened up the craft brewing. Um, so the students that you have, where are they going? Are they going to the big Budweiser's, Anheuser-Busch, some, uh, Constellations? Some or are there. they looking to open up their own little shop and um, create their own brand? Yeah, some of, some of it is really craft-oriented. Some people go to the bigger ones, but typically not. And um, a lot of the students are pretty diverse, so sometimes it's hospitality and sometimes it's retail. But um, I think the interest is solely in the craft side of it, and I think it has more to do with um, emotion and uh, trying to avoid large legacy brewers for, for whatever reason. So I, I see you know, most of the interest on the craft side. And that's really picked up in the last 10 years, I guess, compared to what we saw. Because even me going to yeah. the beer store now, I used to go in and buy like 24 cases of Coors yep. Light or, you know, Canadian, whatever the case. Now they've got, you know, the little eight packs that you yep. can pick up, which in my opinion has been a marketing. Whoever came up with that idea, just a little self-selection and then, the, you know, pick out your own eight. You know, it's kind of interesting, right? It was so funny because in the cigarette business, they used to have kitty packs and they banned those. Uh, it was a half a pack of cigarettes. I think it was 12 or 10, 10 oh, cigarettes yeah. in a pack. And they banned them wow. because they well, encourage kids for consuming uh, cigarettes. They, they yeah. uh, the same argument could be applied towards alcohol. But I, I want to I transition here um, because Constellation took what is a 10% stake jack in, in canopy growth. Yep. Um, the, the logic now when, when marijuana becomes legal is individuals with their recreational dollar are going to have additional choices. And they're going to actually go into the same place of consumption, same place of purchase, which is the LCBO. And if they have $50 of weekend mad money, are they going to divide it between some beer and some bud? Uh, and we're talking wiser. All right. Um, hmm. So uh, studies have shown that in Colorado, beer consumption has actually gone down um, because of the introduction of cannabis. I'm not 100% sure that's going to be uh, the same thing in Canada. I think one of the things that you have to look at is from a retail perspective, cannabis will be retailed in a completely separate environment. It won't be in an LCBO, and they'll be few and far between. Um, I'm also... Uh, not 100% sure that people who are already partaking are going to suddenly want to go to a government outlet to go buy their their weed. Um, although you can get you can get better selection from what I've heard. Um, I think I was talking to somebody the other day who was a vice president of marketing at one of the cannabis companies, and he told me that they're estimating that about 80% is going to be uh, recreational, about 20% medicinal. Mm -hmm. And um, my personal belief is that it's it's probably going to flip the other way around. I think there's going to be a lot more medicinal marijuana use simply because we have an aging population. And yeah. there's a lot of fear of opioids these days. So, Well, yeah, and, and perhaps if it's medicinal, uh, your company benefit plan would pay for part sure, of it. Sure, because there's no THC in that stuff. Well, it was medicinal for Winston Churchill, but it wasn't marijuana. It was alcohol. Alcohol is medicinal. Sure it is. Of course it is. Look, we're going to pay some bills around here, my good friend. Sure. But uh, stay around with us. Yep. Uh, uh, Roger Mittag, a professor in beer, is in the studio to help us celebrate St. Patty's Day. So uh, Hi-Fi Radio has it all. Stay tuned. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm the baddie in our sweet happiness. Have I spent in that neat little town? Welcome back. Hi-Fi Radio, St. Patty Day celebration. Jack Hurdle in the studio. And we got Roger Mittag, a professor 
a beer here to join us. Uh, so apparently a crystal ball of shamrocks is given to the U.S. <laughs> president by Ireland's president each and every year. Uh, I wonder if that's going to happen. This year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure he's going to see anything in it. Yeah, well, he doesn't drink apparently, but he has his own brand of vodka uh, for what that's worth. Uh, anyways, Roger Mittag, professor of beer in the studio. Uh, real pleasure to have you in the studio with us. My here pleasure. Thank you. Patties. You're very, very welcome. Um, you know, the conversation of beer can go in. It, it's an endless conversation. Uh, I remember my son had a friend over and the friend was 10 years old and they went to the basement. Within five minutes, the 10-year-old opened up a bottle of beer. Yeah, daddy, he was opening up a cold one. Yeah, he was only 10. You're not supposed to do that. Uh, so, you know, we all have a very, very early experience, I think. With we the, do. We do. All of us do. Uh, I confess. Um, but, you know, it's a fun product. It's a product that we, we, we gather around and we, we, we share with friends and we, uh, we cry we laugh, uh, we hug, uh, and hopefully we don't drink and drive. Apparently 75% of fatal St. Paddy's Day crashes involving a driver consume two times the legal limit. Uh, so they tend to like to drink quite heavily over there, yeah. but to don't drink and drive. Uh, but look, let's carry on here in terms of profitability. Because, uh, you know, as uh, stewards of money, Jack and I have to invest our, money, our clients' money accordingly. We have to make money with it. Uh, the, beer, the beer business. Uh, sales. Are, are you noticing a downtrend of flatline yep yeah big time um i think we've seen a decrease in in volume consumption um steadily over the few years last maybe five to ten years um it's very very flat in canada right now but if we look at it from a global perspective um, people are drinking much less per capita than they were drinking five, less 10 years. beer because yeah. I think wine consumption is up. Oh, it's down as well. Wine is down. Yeah, everything's down. I, I think spirits, of course, I know are down. Yeah, I, I think it's it's down right across the board, and I think a lot of it has to do with that we're an aging demographic and we're considering health options. But the bigger thing is drinking and driving. I think responsible use is going to push us to zero tolerance at some point in this country. It's already in in most countries in Europe. So if you're asking me where the growth is, the growth is in um, non-alcoholic beers over the next five to ten years. I think that we still really enjoy the taste of them. And um, it's going to be incumbent upon brewers to come up with new and creative ways of, of making us still enjoy the same product without getting the, the negative side effects of alcohol consumption. So who, who, who do you see uh, leading in that space right now? Um, well, right now there's uh, there's a small craft uh, brewer in Ontario and, and his product, his name's Ted Fleming. And um, he's created a brand called Partake. Now I haven't particularly uh, tasted it, but I've heard it's really good. Um, Heineken's got a great non-alcoholic brand. Uh, I saw that commercial for Heineken. Yeah, it's a they funny do. commercial, very, very funny commercial. Yeah, and they do great ads. Uh, Erdinger non-alcoholic is um, probably viewed to be one of the, the biggest sports drink in Europe uh, than anybody else because it doesn't have any alcohol, but it's got lots of metabolites that help to re-energize the body after exercise. Hmm. Uh, Carlsberg's got a brand new non-alcoholic beer coming out in the market in Canada in the spring, and I've tried it, and it's phenomenal. Is that right? We have Roger Mittag in the studio, a professor of beer. St. Patty's Day, of course, is the day that we are celebrating here on Hi-Fi Radio. Um, longer term, these craft breweries, uh, there's, there's hundreds of them, and yet the industry is consolidated into a handful of three or four players. Uh, the longevity, the survivability of these microbreweries, can they make money? Is it a long-term business that... You can uh, sink your teeth into. Yeah, you can. You can make money, and and it is long term, as you just said. I think um, if people come into this business thinking they're going to make money overnight, I think we all know that when you get into a market and you expect immediate returns, you're not going to get them. I think the key thing is having a good business planning, understanding distribution, because Canada is a different place to distribute beer. 
if we go back 200 years ago, there was well over 150 breweries in Ontario, and that was because we were community-based breweries. Right. So a brewery would set up in a small town. It would satisfy the needs of the surrounding area. And I think that is the key to success. I, I think that that is, if, that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah if, if you're a small brewery and you decide that you have to be all across Ontario, you're making a huge mistake. You, you, can't, you, you can't afford those kind of expenses to do that. So the key thing is to stay within a 20, 30K square radius of your brewery. You'll make lots of money over yeah, a I, period of time. I would say I was just up in Collingwood on uh, March break there, and yep. I had a, a bit of beer from the, uh, the, the, I guess, the small brewery up there, yep. and it was good. It was quite good. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like they're staying relatively local, so you know, sticking to the plan that you're laying out. Yeah, brew pubs are another another uh, way. I think people are interested in, in trying like individually crafted beers. The key thing there is you got to make great beer and you have to have really good food as well because if you don't have either one of those, people are going to eventually walk away. Um, do, do people make beer themselves successfully, do you believe? Yeah. I, I, I you talking homebrew? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think, you know, if, if – you know, the three of us were to sit there and look back 10, 15 years when, when U-Brews came out in the market, that beer was garbage. Like right. What we were making was garbage. Yeah, like I, I think you making your own wine, a waste of time. Yeah, I agree with you, 100%. Waste, waste of time. You yeah. can't do it. Yeah, but these these new, there's new brewing systems and, and there's so much more information out there that a lot of these guys, when they're making beer in their own place, are making phenomenal beers. The, the, re, the real key thing is taking that passion and then commercializing it. And when you commercialize it, you were asking me before, but you need science on your side. Big time. Yeah. And then is it, do you think people are going to grow their own marijuana if legally able? Yeah, I think you're allowed five plants. So. Depends on the province, I believe. Yeah, I mean, do, for, do you think people are going to do that? I don't know. I think some people, some people might do it, but I have no idea. I mean, that's not. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I would, I would think the, you know, the same rationale that we're using is that it's probably cheaper to go out and purchase somebody else's really good caretaking of that particular product then try to make it yourself. Like, who knows what you're going to get? Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, Roger, I wish you a wonderful St. Paddy's Day. Thank Professor you. of Beer, Roger Mittag, in the studio to educate us sort of on beer. If you want to learn more from Roger, you teach courses where? Um, well, I teach uh, for Humber College students and George Brown students, but we have classes um, throughout Ontario, private classes that you can find on our website, which is tfkbeer.com. And they're they're available um, all year round, and uh, we really really enjoy uh, just talking to people. And we've got some great instructors. Yeah, and and your Twitter handle is beer professor. It is. That's cool. Excellent, Roger Mittag. Real pleasure. Coming up next, we are going to take you trip around the world and get a macro overview on your money with Kevin Muir, the macro tourist. Right after this, making money is the best. So how do you make more money? back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Hi-Fi Radio, St. Paddy's Day, giving you a little Irish flavor with the cranberries. Zombie. Play this for uh, Kevin Muirk. Uh, Macro strategist with the Macro Tourist, uh, also market strategist with East West Investments. Uh, Kevin, you've been on the show a number of times. Last time we had you on the show was December 31st. And um, I want to play you a little clip here because it tees up the music zombie uh, the last time we had you on air. So uh, hear this little clip uh, of yourself going back December 31st. Well, it was interesting because volatility was so low. I think that the S&P went 12 months having a rise in each and every month, something that basically has never happened in the history of the stock markets. So 
there you go. It was a low vol year, historically low vol. You were obviously expecting a change of just that vault, a change of pulse in the market. And man, oh man, you were wrong by 30 days. <laughs> hey? January I was going to say, it just shows you how difficult it is. You can, <laughs> yeah. get it, you, you can get the call right, but the timing, you know, it's, well, it's you, you, so you, difficult. If you, used a, if you used a hand grenade, you were bang yeah, pretty on. Pretty close. Uh, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, without question. Because, uh, boy, February became a very, very volatile month. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was a derivative trade that went on in the month of February. Again, it's St. Patty's Day. You know, the glasses are full of green beer. We don't want to get too heady for the audience. But it's important to, to, to respect the nuances of the market. And again, I didn't even know about the low vol trade. I really didn't. Jack was paying attention to it. You spoke at length about it. I was just long the market making money. <laughs> well, it was, a, it was a melt up year, too. So it was, that's where you wanted to be in 2017. But uh, risk, you know, woke everyone up after January, I guess, of this year. And uh, like Kevin said, some of those low vol traders got carried out, I think. But, but, but let's, try, let's try to describe to the audience exactly what happened. What was the low vol trade? Um, there's an instrument called the VIX, which is the volatility the index. Yep. And what it represents is the implied volatility of the S&P 500. Right. And in essence, it cre it's an index that allows investors to bet on whether Volatility, meaning the amount that a stock the stock yep. market goes moves around, is going to be yeah, sure. is going to be higher or lower. Yeah, high heart rate, low heart. That's rate. right. Yeah, and um, it became a very fashionable trade to be betting on lower volatility. Uh huh. And if you look at something called the Sharpe ratio, which is basically the return of an instrument versus its volatility. Shorting this VIX ended up being one of the highest sharp ratio trades around. And so there was... In other, um, in other words, betting the VIX was going to fall further was right. a very high risk reward so trade to put that's on. Correct. So, so, so when, it's a, when it's a sure thing, the logical thing to do is put leverage on the trade, right, that's Kevin? Right. Well, and that's what a lot of people did. And, and the real... The real problem was it actually stemmed from the great financial crisis of 2008 because during 2008, the VIX actually exploded and everyone that was short got carried away and it ended up being something that people were scared of for the longest time. If you remember in 2009, 10 and 11, everyone thought the next great crash was just around the corner. So they continually bid up volatility because they were always wanting to buy insurance. Mm -hmm. So insurance in essence was overpriced mm -hmm. versus the chances of another crash happening. Mm -hmm. And this this went on for a few years until some smarter traders started to figure out that they could go the other way. They could write that insurance and earn a premium. So they started to do it. And, and like all things on Wall Street and Bay Street, a good idea is taken too far. And where it, whereas at first it was a great trade to be short it because it was overpriced, it eventually became not a great trade because people were selling it not because it was overpriced, but because it was continually going down. <laughs> and it just became one of these trades that got more and more popular. And there was a, a myriad of different ETFs that were created so that allowed investors to actually bet on this. And it ended up being that... A, it just got a crowded position and some sharp, sharp traders on wall street figured this out and actually took them out of the trade in a, in a very dramatic fashion. What, yeah. One of our strategists, uh, I was talking to him down in New York and he said the same thing. He said, these guys were picking up pennies. So they were collecting this insurance, pick up pennies. Yeah. Yeah. In front of the steamroll and just honestly just got ran. Right and that over. cost them dollars. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to switch gears here, Kevin, cause again, you got a big brain. I want to try to get as much out of it as we can in the next six, seven minutes we have with you. It, it is St. Patty's day. And I remember reading your work in 2017. Um, you were betting long on the on the softs. You you were going long the grains. No one wanted them. 
uh, and you were going long the grains. And I think they kept going lower and lower and lower. But then I noticed a turn in the chart, and I kept saying, I wonder how Kevin's doing with this trade. <laughs> Someone asked, again, hops, barley, uh, you know, to, uh, they're probably a bit up today uh, because it's St. Patty's Day, but how's that trade seasonal trade for you? For I, sure? I just think grains are one of the cheapest commodities out there. If you, infl- if you basically adjust them for inflation, we're sitting at all-time lows. And, and tell me what asset out there is at all-time lows for the last 100 years. There's mm-hmm. nothing. And we've had successive years of perfect weather and perfect uh, you know, technological advances. One of these years, we're going to get into a situation where the weather isn't perfect and all these farmers, the farmers, it is terrible out there for farmers. It is so difficult. You and mean right now. That's right. With and, great and prices these, falling. And that's correct. And you go and you read in, in the States, uh, a lot of these farmers are just struggling and, and family farms are having to close. And it's just, it's, it's really actually a sad state of affairs. And um, I think one of these days you're going to find that the next great surprise is going to be that greens head a lot higher. Interesting. Well, I remember when there was a shortage of rice and they put a two-limit bag per person. I think it was in the United States about back in 2007. You may not remember that. <laughs> uh, but no, during, during the commodity bull market. Uh, and, and, you know, rice became short. Go, go figure. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, no one wants the grains right now, and at some point they probably will. Kevin Muir, uh, the uh, author of The Macro Tourist, also a market strategist with East West Investments. More importantly, a guy with a very, very big brain that uh, I like to bring to the audience every now and then here on Hi-Fi Radio. We're going to pay some bills. Please stay tuned. This is St. Patty's Day, and we'll keep helping you make some more money so you can buy some more beer right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, I'm at my best. Saturday, Hi-Fi Radio. Jack's at his best. He always is. Did you know 13 million pints of Guinness is going to be consumed worldwide today? 13 million pints. Boy, those rats. <laughs> They'll float, they're going to float them to the top of that vat. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. A little spirit of the West for you there. Apparently, Jack says that's the song that they close down the pub. Is it the key to battle they close it down on St. Patty's Day? Uh, that, won't, that won't be the only one they close it with, I think. But yeah, for yeah. sure. Cool. Uh, all right, Kevin. Well, you like the grains. Do you like hops? Do you like barley? Is that all part of the grain trade? I, I've been known to have a beer too. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of uh, placing, you your, know, I, I, I focus mostly on the big three: the beans, like the soybeans, and the and the uh, corn and the wheat. And are you long those right now? Um, no. So I don't have any positions right now, but I am looking at those, and uh, it, it's um, it's it's something that I just keep my eye on, and it's. Uh, I, as I mentioned, I, it's difficult to buy because there's a the curve has a steepness to it. So as soon as investors start to get a sense for it, they go out and they buy the farm months and they, they put them in a premium. So you have to kind of be careful with it. And it's it's just something that I watch and that I'm looking to get long eventually. So were, were, but were you long the grains? Yes, I was. So I trade. Through, through the futures mark, right? That's you, correct. So like, I trade the futures and so, so I'm back and, and forth. So I want to ask you, before, sorry, Jack, I hear you pipe in. I want to know, did you make money? Because um, the market went you down, know, I, I'm assuming you didn't. Um, you know, I can't remember to tell you the truth. I trade so many things; they kind of all blend together. Um, I, I doubt I made money in the fact that sure. I was long. But uh, in terms of just picking away, like I, I think I don't look at it as a port, like a one trade no, like I that. Yeah. I kind of put it into a portfolio. Uh, sure, of so, course. so there might have been something that I 
that I had let me on. Ask you this, wait, let me ask you this. Did, you, did you pay taxes? Are you going to pay taxes this year? <laughs> I can't remember. Tell you. Not, uh, no comment. No comment, man. <laughs> no, no, I pay taxes. We, we, all, we, we all pay taxes. The key factors for the soft, so for the the grains, what are they? So, you know, are they, is it weather? You talked about productivity. There's one thing, like the, the farm insurance down in the U.S. I mean, that plays a huge factor because it encourages people to take risks potentially when there's not profitability. Well, that is actually one of the big stories down there is that the advent of too much credit in the system has allowed farmers to continually get loans to keep going farmers are, are, are an optimistic bunch they they just they keep thinking one more year i'm going to keep going and so we haven't had the destruction in the supply that we probably should have had and this is the problem that you see in a lot of industries is that when you have too much credit it, that that's too cheap. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't. Ends al- the, it ends up in the wrong. Hand. And you know, and it's just like Japan and China, or Japan especially. They talk about the zombie companies. They stay there and and they refuse to let these companies go out, go out of business. Yep. So they they're continually there keeping prices low. Especially with U.S. farming, right? There's no there's no one down in the U.S. No no political figure that's gonna you know run on the fact that they're gonna put farmers out of business. It's just not politically palatable. That, that's correct. And there's actually a new danger and it's 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 dangerous right now for the for the grains in that Trump when he's going out and he's uh instituting these tariffs if you look at if he goes and puts let's say uh tariffs on the iPhone or whatever it is that he chooses um on the reciprocal the Chinese are going to go they're they're the US are huge exporters. We like the US are being called the Saudi Arabia of corn. They, they, they're, and, and it'll be one of the easiest things. Is that right, eh? Yeah. One of so, the largest corporate We have Kevin Muir in the studio. He's a macro tourist author, also market strategist now with uh, East West Investments. Uh, big brain, lots of big ideas and thinks quite differently, which I enjoy hearing of your uh, differences. Look, uh, just in the interest of time, we spoke grain, we spoke beer. Um, uh, tell us something. Give us some ideas to make money. Uh, what, what sector do you like right now? Well, and, 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 and also risk out there. So um, actually, one of the interesting things I just wrote up about recently is if it was actually an idea that came to me from Ned Davis Research, it's a big U.S. research shop. Ned went and looked at the different Fed tightening cycles. The, the Federal Reserve is in the process of raising rates. Yep. And he divided them up into two buckets. He decided, divided it up into slow campaigns and fast campaigns. So there was an example, hmm. I, I think it was in the 50s, the mid-50s, the Fed went about raising rates and they did it at a slow, gradual pace. Which is probably what we're going to do this cycle. Right, well, that's what we're experiencing yeah, yeah, now. Right. And then he, then he looked at, like, in, in the 1967, there was a campaign then, and that was fast. Right. And so what he did is he divided these two into two buckets. Fair enough. And then he looked and he indexed it and had a look at the performance. Oh. And um, I found, I stumbled upon this chart, and it was at the time, it was a year or two old, and I thought to myself, I'm going to update this chart and see what it's saying today. Uh-huh. So I, d- I went and recreated it and made the two buckets. And we're now in the 820th day since the Fed first raised rates. And there's no doubt that we are in a slow campaign. So if you look at the index... 800 days since the raise rate, yeah, Fed raised rates. Yeah. Wow. We're, we're going slow. Like, don't forget, I think yeah. the first year they might have only gone once or twice. Yeah. And so if you look at this point in all the, the previous slow campaigns, yeah. this is about the point where we roll over. And interestingly enough, the slow campaigns seem to do better at first and then taper off. And the fast campaigns, when the Fed raises rates aggressively, they have an initial sell-off, but towards the end are stronger. So if you assume that we're in a slow campaign, and if you assume that the past looks like the, the present or the future, then you, there's a case to be made that you know we're about to have some trouble in the U.S. in terms of the stock market, and we might be hitting a point where we're going to drift lower in the next year. 
Where we come to year two, year three, Jamal. We're in the second year right now. Next year is the third year. Correct. And the third year is is, is the good year. The second year, the one we're right now, is is a tough one coming. That's correct. So that's again another point pointer that kind of indicates that maybe the uh, overenthusiasm in the U.S. stock market is a little strong. Mm-hmm. People are wondering if he's actually going to get to his third year at this point. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I know our strategist has a 3,100, I think it's 3,100 target on the S&P 500, yep. uh, maybe 3,300, and the, it is right now 2,780, 2,790. So they think about 10 points higher. You're, you're, you're skeptical on that front, which is cool. I, I like the balance of power and uh, the yin and the yang of it all. I, I think the optimism in, on the U.S. market is overblown. The, yeah. the, the the amount of enthusiasm for the Trump tax cuts and all the other things, uh, the stock market looks to me like it's uh, it's fully priced in. Mm-hmm. All the good news is everyone knows it and everyone's talking about it. Everyone's got the positions on already. Interesting. Well, that's what makes a market, Kevin. I appreciate your uh, salient viewpoint. Uh, very, very, very sage advice as always. That's it for the show, folks. Hi-Fi Radio back next week. And I want to wish you a wonderful St. Paddy's Day. And please, if you drink, don't drive. Uh, Jack, pleasure having you in the studio as always. And I uh, wish you a safe weekend. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.